Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. Our new sermon series is called Take Heart, and the message that you're about to hear is titled, The Hour Has Come. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We just want to encourage you that no matter what life throws your way, that God has called you to be courageous. We hope that you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris. I don't know about you, you know, um, we thought 2020 all last year, we're talking about, man, we cannot wait till 2021 gets here. It's all going to be great. You know, and maybe we were naive and we thought when we got to 2021, there was going to be like a reset button and everything would go back to normal. But I don't know about you. I feel like I want a, uh, a refund uh, from, from the first 10 days of this year. You know, I want my money back. I want to I want to start over. But as we head into this season, I really look, think looking back, we talked about this all last year. 2020 was going to be a year of significance where God was doing some things inside of us. It wasn't... Um, a year that we saw coming, but I really felt like, and, and, and I told you guys over and over that God was just calling us to draw near, to draw close, and um, because he was preparing us for something. He was preparing us for things to come. He was preparing us for a time, an hour, that, that he was going to use us individually and corporately as a church, as individual believers, to make a difference in this world. Generations Church, our mission is to mobilize generations to change our world with the grace, power, and love of Christ. And sometimes I feel like we think this Christian life is supposed to be an easy life. We think this Christian life is supposed to be something where everything's all sunshine and roses, but that's not what Jesus has called us to. Jesus hasn't called us to something simple. He's called us to something that we have to move in courageously. And we can't do that on our own. We need His Spirit. And so about September of last year, and I think this was uh, Holy Spirit inspired, He began to stir in me. Actually, in August, He was stirring this word for the year of courage for 2021, where Generations Church in the year 2021 was going to be a year of courage for us. And on the calendar in September, we already set a series that was going to start in January. Little did we know that we would find ourselves in the midst of what, where we are today in our nation the trouble that we see in the world, the discontent, the disconnection, the division that we see everywhere. And, John, and G, Jesus, the Lord, had, had put this on my heart to do a series called Take Heart, where we were going to focus on John 16.33 during this series. In John 16.33, it's on the back end. It's the last verse of what is known as the Upper Room Discord in the book of John, where, where Jesus has his boys, his disciples up in the upper room, you know, it's where they, he introduces um, communion, where he, where he gives them a new command to love one another, where he tells them that he is the vine and they are the branches. He's going away, but they need to stay connected to the, him if they're going to stay effective in this world, because apart from him, they could do nothing. It was in this section where he reminded them that, that they didn't choose him, but, but he chose them to go and to bear fruit that would last in this world. It was in this section of Scripture where he tells them that things are going to happen, things are going to come, there's going to be chaos in their lives, they're going to be scattered, and people are going to accuse them. But it's also in this section where he tells them that he's going to send a comforter 
the Holy Spirit that would come and live inside of them that would give them the power and the strength to do what he'd been preparing them to do for the last three years. In John 16.33, he closes this section out. The very last words in, in this, uh, you could call it a farewell address to his disciples. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. See, there were things coming that they didn't see. They thought Jesus came to initiate something different than what he actually came. They thought he was going to show up and take over and rule right there. But Jesus came to um, submit. <clears throat> to humble himself and go on a cross. And they didn't realize that in that time. But it says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not you might, but you will. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I think right now Jesus is saying that to each of us right now. In this world you will have trouble. In this world there will be chaos. In this world there will be divisions. But take heart. Take courage. Do not fear because I have overcome the world. Like I mentioned, this is his farewell address to his disciples. His last words to them and because of the Holy Spirit, we can look back and, and we can use these words as well. But all throughout scripture, you see, you see farewell addresses. You see Moses addressing uh, Israel just before he dies. And, and he's talking to them and he's talking about, take courage. Do not fear. Take courage. And then later on, Joshua, you see in his farewell, he's telling his people, he says, take courage, do not be fearful. And then also in 23 and 20, or Joshua 24, we, we, we see these words that says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You probably have that hanging in your house somewhere. But in these farewell addresses, they're calling them to courage. They're calling them to commitment. Paul in the New Testament in Acts 20, he has this farewell speech, but he also has a farewell letter, which is his last letter that he wrote to his young disciple Timothy, and he opens that letter out to his disciple Timothy, and he says, stir up the gift that is inside of you, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of courage and of a sound mind. And God's calling us this year to courage. He's calling us to take heart in the midst of the chaos that we find ourselves in and understand that Jesus is in control. Jesus has overcome the world. When the world's falling apart and you feel like you have no control, don't forget who controls it all. Jesus, the Savior of the world. And so we're going we're gonna to look at John um, 13 today. We're going to look at the first five verses in there. We're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to look at his first words as he opens up this section of passage known as the upper room discord course in john first one i'm leaving, reading out of the new king james version it says now before the past the feast of passover when jesus knew that his hour had come now i want to pause right there for a second and i, and I want to just point something out throughout the book of john we see this hour jesus is talking about this hour that has come sometimes he's talking about that it hasn't come Right now, he's talking about it has come. But if you look back in, in chapter 2, you look at verse 4. It's, Jesus is at a wedding with his mom, and they've run out of wine. And his mom is just nagging him to do something about it because she really knows who he is. And he looks at her, and I don't recommend you say this to your mother, but he says, Woman, my hour has not yet come. And you know the story. He went ahead and did it. 
And then at 7.30 and 8.20, he's, he's in a discussion with the Pharisees, and they're, and they're accusing him, and, and you know how he was with the Pharisees. And he ticks them off a little bit. They wanted to, to, to go and kill him, to arrest him, and things of that nature. And it says, and no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. John 12, Jesus is talking just before we read about him going in the upper room with his disciples. And he says, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And then in chapter 17, verse 1, which is the verse immediately following what Jesus says, But take heart, I have overcome the world. And he says, Father, the hour has come. And so now before the, the Feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The Greek thought behind that is to the other most, to the most possible that, that he could love them. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and he girded himself. And after that he poured water into a basin and he be began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. I want to talk for just a few minutes from this topic this morning. It says, the hour has come. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that You love us. Despite our nature as humans to, to stumble, to fall short, to get it wrong, Father, I thank you that you love us right where you are. Lord, I thank you for what you've done and the healing of Becca and Gary and Scott. Lord, I pray you continue that, Lord Jesus. And I pray for anyone else under the sound of my voice that is struggling right now that, that with, with COVID or with any other situation in your life, I pray that you would begin working right now. Speak now to us over the next few minutes, individually. Make this personal to each one of us. Help me get out of the way and let your spirit speak. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. March of this year, we're going to start some small groups. It's one of the ways we're going to get out and change the world with the grace, power, and love of Christ. God has not called us to, to sit in a building and pat each other on the back. He's called us to go out into a city, to our workplaces and our families, and make a difference and change lives. But as I said, we're going to start some small groups in March. And, and oftentimes when we start small groups, the very first group that you have, sometimes a lot of people don't know each other. And so one of the things it's wise to do is to, to get people talking, to get them open up, get them introduced. They call it an icebreaker. And one of the icebreaker games we'll often play or activities that we'll do is like two, 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 two truths and a lie. And so the object of that is you tell two things that are true about yourself and you throw one in there, it's a lie. And as you tell those, the people have to guess what's the lie that you just told them. Oftentimes, well, just about every time I do this, I, I don't know the third, team, the third thing that I'll say, but usually I'll say these two things. I'll say, when I grew up, soccer was my favorite sport growing up as a child. And then the other thing that I'll say, I'll say that, that 
I spent some time in my life roping calves. And people that know me know that I coach my kids all through soccer, but the fact that I, t- I say that soccer being my favorite sport, that's actually the lie in what, in, when I say that. Because I watched my kids growing up, I coached them growing up, but as a kid, nobody really played soccer where we were. I thought soccer was actually for sissies until I got around soccer. And there's actually a lot of things going on. There's a lot of cheap shots in soccer that you don't see on the camera, but it's actually happened. But the one thing that is true is that I spent some time roping cows. And I don't know if you've ever roped cows, but you may have seen uh, team roping. It was team roping, not calf roping. There's two different things. Team, team roping is where you have a guy who, who runs out and he ropes the head of the cow and he turns him to the side and then someone else comes around, around and, and ropes the feet and then they turn and that is team roping. And so I was doing that. I was probably um, about 23, I think. I did it for about six months. My dad has been into roping. I mean, if you know him, he can talk about rope. There's a few things he can talk about, but roping is one of them. But during that time of, of my life, um, we were roping. And I got pretty good, uh, to be honest, in about six months. And so I say that because I'm kind of athletic. But one of the things that one of the reasons why is the horse that I learned to rope on because there's a lot to do with riding your horse it isn't just catching the the cow and doing all those things a lot of it is riding your horse but the horse that I learned to rope on was actually a horse that a guy from Henry County won the world championship you see it out in Las Vegas every year in 1988 the horse's name was Rope he knew how to get in position he knew how to track a cow he'd put me in the right spot so a lot of that was just the horse that I rode and see roping it takes a lot to do I mean just to go out and run about 10 12 cows it's going to take you a couple two or three hours because you have to go out and you got to catch the horse and sometimes if you're not very good at it like I was in the beginning sometimes that's kind of hard so you got to catch that horse you got to time up to the post you got to get your brush out and you got to take your time you got to brush that horse then you got to put the saddle on the horse you got to put boots on the horse guess you didn't know horses wear boots but when you're roping cows horses wear boots and then not only do you have to catch the horse you got to catch the cows if you're going to rope the cows you got to catch the cows and so the way you catch the cows most most often is my dad had a dog it was a Queensland blue healer some of you who have young children or young grandkids if you've ever seen bluey bluey is a Queensland blue healer and blue healers what they do they're cattle dogs and they'll go out and they'll round up the cattle run them up in a chute, and, and, and you get the cows in this chute. It's about two foot wide or two and a half. Not very wide because once the cows are in there, you do not want them to get turned around because that's a bad day if that ever happens. So you get the cows in there, and then you have to take a wrap and put it on the cow's head. And you put it around there. It kind of looks like a um, if you've ever seen two boxers spar, the cows have like a sparring helmet on because you're about to throw a rope at their heads when they come out. The shoot. Now, if you've ever watched this on TV, you probably have never seen what I'm about to tell you. So you have these cows in the shoot and their nose to, to tail. And cows, I don't know if you've noticed, and other animals, they don't have the human etiquette and uh, hygiene, let's just say that, as we humans do. And so as they're sitting there nose to tail, if they feel the urge, they just let it go. Right on the head of the person behind them. And there's all this mess because they're eating grass, so it comes out like a big mess. All over the heads, 
of the cow behind them. Some of them probably angry because the cow in front of them got them, so they had to get the one behind them. But you don't see this on TV. And, and, and to be honest, when I first started doing it, this was like, I was like, oh, my God, that is nasty. But after you get into it for a while, after you get up close to it, it's like, man, that'll make a man out of you. You know, the t- cow flips his tail, it goes across your face. You know, that go hair on your chest, you know, kind of some of the things. You say. I say that to say this. Jesus in his ministry throughout the whole time he's with his disciples, he's trying to teach them kingdom things. A lot of times, if you notice, they don't get it. A lot of times they're lost. A lot of times they miss the point. I don't know about you, but I miss the point of things a lot of times. But a lot of times these disciples miss the point, and it's kind of comical that they don't get it when we look into it. But we're kind of a lot like the disciples. But he opens up this upper room discourse, and he doesn't give a lecture. Jesus comes in, and he, and he, and he picks up a towel, and he, and he puts it over himself. This is kind of small. It's not as big as what he would have had. But he, he takes this towel, and he puts it over himself. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Apparently, when they scheduled the room in the upper room, someone forgot to hire the slave to come in to wash the feet. And see, in Jewish custom, servants, Jewish servants would not even wash feet. In Jewish custom, only Gentile slaves would be the ones to wash feet in that day and time. And so Jesus, the leader of his people, of these disciples, doesn't give them a lecture, he gives them a demonstration where he takes that towel and he girds himself. And if you know anything about the culture in that day and time, they didn't have roads like we have roads. So you could go out there and you could run about five miles in your tennis shoes and and your feet would be sweating, probably stinking a little bit. But your feet that you bring back, if I were to wash those, they would be very clean compared to the feet that would show up at a house during that day and time. See, on those roads, they were dusty roads, and they wore sandals. Not only did they wear sandals, but they would walk down the road, and and there was animals that would walk all over, and they would, needless to say, their feet would probably have animal feces on them. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, has a demonstration. And he gets down, and he begins to wash the nasty, dirty, feet, filthy, beyond anything you can imagine, feet of the disciples. And he's trying to show them something. He's trying to teach them about being a servant. He's trying to teach them about serving people. And the disciples don't get it because if you read through other Gospels, you'll see that they begin talking about who's the greatest. And all throughout the time with his disciples, he's talking about these two conflicting kingdoms. You see it in the narrative of Scripture. There's the kingdom of the world and there's the kingdom of God. And and the kingdom of the world is upside down different. It's like Lionel Playworld. It's upside down different than the kingdom of God. And so the disciples begin arguing. I would say they begin living out the kingdom of the world. They're arguing about titles when Jesus came and he picked up a towel and he got down low. He humbled himself. He eventually humbled himself on the cross, but he got down low and he washed the feet 
I think about us today and the, the season that we find ourselves in in our world, and, and, and it breaks my heart, the things that I've seen this week, but here we are. And we're in a place, in a season, and if you're looking out there and you're going, this is the Democrats versus the Republicans, or this is the conservatives versus the liberals, or if this is the blacks versus the whites, if there's, as if there were no other colors, there's red and yellow, black and white. If we've arrived in this moment, and that's our mindset, we've, we've taken on a mindset of the world. And we've missed it. Just like the disciples. See, the hour has come, and I believe as a church for you and I, it is time. For us to be different. See, the kingdom of God isn't is about coming low. It's about serving others. It's about serving people that you disagree with. You know, it's easy to show up on a church on Sunday morning in, in your Sunday best and open a door and do all that. It is hard to go sit down with somebody when they've just lost everything and have a conversation. It's easy to show up and do the, the simple things. But it's hard when you have someone you disagree with to go. It takes courage to have a conversation. It takes courage to say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand you? It takes courage. It's easy to sit on Facebook and throw rocks from a corner from the privacy and the comfort of your own home behind a screen. It takes courage to send a private message and say, hey, can you help me figure this out? Sometimes serving people is just listening to people. It's ironic. I had a conversation with a friend of mine this week on the 5th, about an hour and a half. He's a black guy. I'm a white guy. And we were talking about this. And it's interesting. And, and what I've discovered is, is when I talk to people that are different from me, when I listen, I can understand them. I can see where they're coming from. I can love them in a way. I can see them from a different light. See, oftentimes, we as people, we, we judge people's intent from the beginning. We think they come out of things with intent. When you and I in the same situation, we look at our circumstances that we find ourselves in. We don't understand the circumstances that other people have grown up in. We don't understand the places people have been. But if we'll take the time to stop, take the courage to sit down and listen to other people instead of shouting out, bringing our rocks out. I remember in John chapter 8, these Pharisees had some rocks. These religious people had some rocks ready to throw at a sinful woman. And Jesus said, hey, you without sin, throw the first song. And the one without sin said, hey, where are your accusers as they one by one dropped their rocks and walked away? And he says, neither do I accuse you. It's time to serve, church. It's time to be humble. It's time to put away our rocks and take off our crosses. See, I think we've 
bought into a lie. As I told this story of Jesus washing his feet, we look at this, and, and maybe you've participated in a foot washing at a church or something before where you, you have your nice little clean bucket of water and your nice white little towel, and you clean some feet. And maybe if you haven't, maybe that's what your idea of cleaning some feet was about. But I would imagine the towel that sat in Jesus' lap would look a little more like this one as he got into the mess of the lives or the feet of the disciples. Church, Jesus is calling us to get into the mess. To get into the messy things of life. To take courage and do the hard things. Have the hard conversations. Stoop low and serve our world around them and people you disagree with. See, the thing about it, here's what I know is true about me, and it's true about you. We all have blind spots. See, there's things about me that I don't know about myself, and there's things about you that you don't know about yourself, and there's things about, and those blind spots often rub people the wrong way. But I guarantee you this, even though you don't know it, the people close to, us, to you know it about you. And oftentimes they don't, they don't know the offenses that they bring to you. And as I thought about that thought, I remember Jesus standing on a cross, looking out at the people who had condemned him to death, put him up on a cross, beat him, put a spear in his side, and he looked out across those people and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 2021, I believe God's calling us to courage. And courage may not be what you think. It may not be taking charge and ascending a hill. It may be stooping low and humbling yourself and serving even when you feel wronged. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of servants. The kingdom of those who who look past the things in others to see what God sees in them. Will you join me this year? And being a church full of servants, we're going to do a lot of practical things. We're going to go out and serve Second Mile Sundays. Will you join me?
and the other 167 hours of each week that you have, no matter where you are, looking for opportunities to serve others, whether it just be an encouraging word when you want to give a criticism, whether it be doing something for somebody and they don't even know it. However the Lord leads you in this year, will you join me in being a servant like Jesus, the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your forgiveness. Even during the times when we don't feel that we deserve it, Father. I pray that you knew everything that we were going to do before we ever did it. And you knew our nature, our sinfulness, but you went to that cross anyway. I pray that as a church over these next 21 days, as we begin to pray and fast specifically in our own lives, Father God, that you would stir something inside of us that, that would let us know this is the hour to be different. This is the hour to allow your kingdom to manifest in, in each of our lives so that when we go out into our day-to-day -day lives that people don't see us, they see you. Because we serve them like you do. Lord, I pray for our nation and our communities right now, Lord. That you would bring healing. That you would bring reconciliation. That you would bring peace among us, Lord. Help the church be the church that you've called it to be. Beautiful, loving, and and lovely to a, a world around them, a bright light, a city sitting on a hill that draws people to you because of the way it treats people that they encounter day to day. Thank you in advance for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a great first message from Pastor Chris in our new sermon series, Take Heart. If you would like to stay connected throughout the week, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Generations Church. If you would like to give to Generations Church, you can text the word Generations with a Z to 77977 or visit us online at generations.church. Thanks for tuning in and we hope to see you next time on the Generations Church podcast.